Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Darren stopped for a minute for fear of forgetting my lesson. For the third time in that short half hour, a silence fell between the two, a silence of perfect sympathy and understanding. Five little strokes tripping over each other in their haste came from the tiny clock on Mary Cutting's desk. It roused them both. Come on, old girl, said Mary Cutting. I've a chore or two still to do before my day is finished. Come along, if you like. There's a new girl at the perfumes who wears too many braids and puffs and curls, and in the basement Mrs. Ready to Wear, there's another who likes to break store rules about short-sleeved, lace-yoked lingerie waists. And one of the floor managers tells me that a young chap of that callow, semi-objectionable high school fraternity, flat-heeled shoe type, has been persistently hanging around the desk of the pretty little bundle inspector at the Veilings. We're trying to clear the store of that type. They call girls of that description chickens. I wonder why someone hasn't found a name for the masculine chicken. I'll give them one said Emma McChesney, as they swung down a broad, bright aisle of the store. Call them weasels. That covers their style, occupation, and character. They swung around the corner to the veilings, and there they saw the very pretty, very blonde, very young chicken deep in conversation with her weasel. The weasel's trousers were very tight and English, and his hat was properly woolly and alpine, and dented very much on one side, and his heels were fashionably flat, and his hair was slickly pompadour. Mary Cutting and Emma McChesney approached them very quietly, just in time to hear the weasel say, Well, so long then, shrimp, see you at eight. And he swung round and faced them. The sick horror of uncertainty which had clutched at Emma McChesney when first she saw the weasel's back held her with awful certainty now but ten years on the road had taught her self-control, among other things. So she looked steadily and calmly into her son's scarlet face. Jock's father had been a liar. She put her hand on the boy's arm. You're a day ahead of schedule, Jock, she said evenly. So are you, retorted Jock sullenly, his hands jammed into his pockets. All the better for both of us, kid. I was just going over to the hotel to clean up, Jock. Come along, boy. The boy's jaw set. His eyes sought any haven but that of Emma McChesney's eyes. I can't, he said, his voice very low. I've an engagement to take dinner with a bunch of fellows. We're going down to the inn. Sorry. A certain cold rigidity settled over Emma McChesney's face. She eyed her son in silence until his miserable eyes perforce looked up into hers. 
I'm afraid you'll have to break your engagement, she said. She turned to face Mary Cutting's regretful, understanding gaze. Her eyebrows lifted slightly. Her head inclined ever so little in the direction of the half-scared, half-defiant chicken. You attend to your chicken, Mary, she said. I'll see to my weasel. So Emma McChesney and her son, Jock, looking remarkably like brother and sister, walked down the broad store aisles and out into the street. There was little conversation between them. When the pillared entrance of the hotel came into sight, Jock broke the silence sullenly. Why do you stop at that old barracks? It's a rotten place for women. No one stops there but clothing salesmen and boobs who still think it's Chicago's leading hotel. No place for a lady. Any place in the world is the place for a lady, Jock, said Emma McChesney quietly. Automatically she started toward the clerk's desk. Then she remembered and stopped. I'll wait here, she said. Get the key for 518, will you please? And tell the clerk that I'll want the room adjoining beginning tonight instead of tomorrow, as I first intended. Tell him you're Mrs. McChesney's son. He turned away. Emma McChesney brought her handkerchief up to her mouth and held it there a moment, and the skin showed white over the knuckles of her hand. In that moment every one of her thirty-six years were on the table face up. We'll wash up, said Emma McChesney when he returned. Then we'll have dinner here. I don't want to eat here, objected Jock McChesney. Besides, there's no reason why I can't keep my evening's engagements. And after dinner, went on his mother, as though she had not heard, we'll get acquainted, kid. It was a cheerless, rather tragic meal, though Emma McChesney saw it through from soup to finger bowls. When it was over, she led the way down the old-fashioned red-carpeted corridors to her room. It was the sort of room to get on its occupant's nerves at any time, with its red plush armchairs, its black walnut bed, and its walnut center table inlaid with an apoplectic slab of purplish marble. Emma McChesney took off her hat before the dim old mirror, and stood there fluffing out her hair here, patting it there. Jock had thrown his hat and coat on the bed. He stood now, leaning against the footboard, his legs crossed, his chin on his breast, his whole attitude breathing sullen defiance. "'Jock,' said his mother, still patting her hair, "'perhaps you don't know it, but you're pouting just as you used to when you wore pinafores. I always hated pouting children. I'd rather hear them howl. I used to spank you for it. I have prided myself on being a modern mother, but I want to mention, in passing, that I'm still in a position to enforce that ordinance against pouting." She turned around abruptly. "'Jock, tell me, how did you happen to come here a day ahead of me, and how do you happen to be so chummy with that pretty weak-faced little thing at the veiling counter, and how, in the name of all that's unbelievable, have you managed to become a grown-up in the last few months?' Jock regarded the mercifully faded roses in the carpet. His lower lip came forward again. Oh, a fellow can't always be tied to his mother's apron strings. I like to have a little fling myself. I know a lot of fellows here. They are frat brothers, and anyway I needed some new clothes. For one long moment Emma McChesney stared in silence. Then, of course, she began slowly, I knew you were seventeen years old. I've even bragged about it. I've done more than that. I've gloried in it. But somehow, whenever I thought of you in my heart, and that was a great deal of time, 
It was as though you still were a little tyke in knee pants with your cap on the back of your head and a chunk of apple bulging your cheek. Jock, I've been earning close to six thousand a year since I put in that sideline of garters. Just how much spending money have I been providing you with? Jock twirled a coat button uncomfortably. Well, quite a lot. But a fellow's got to have money to keep up appearances. A lot of fellows in my crowd have more than I. There are clothes and tobacco and then flowers and cabs for the skirts, girls, I mean, and kid, impressively. I want you to sit down over there in that plush chair, the red one with the lumps in the back. I want you to be uncomfortable. From where I am sitting, I can see that in you there is the making of a first-class cad. That's no pleasant thing for a mother to realize. Now don't interrupt me. I'm going to be chairman, speaker, program, and ways and means committee of this meeting. Jock, I got my divorce from your father ten years ago. Now, I'm not going to say anything about him, just this one thing. You're not going to follow in his footsteps, kid. Not if I have to take you to pieces like a nickel watch and put you all together again. You're Emma McChesney's son, and ten years from now I intend to be able to brag about it, or I'll want to know the reason why, and it'll have to be a blamed good reason. I'd like to know what I've done, blurted the boy, just because I happened to come here a few hours before you expected me. And just because you saw me talking to a girl, why, it isn't what you've done. It's what those things stand for. I've been at fault, but I'm willing to admit it. Your mother is a working woman, Jock. You don't like that idea, do you? But you don't mind spending the money that the working woman provides you with, do you? I'm earning a man's salary, but, Jock, you oughtn't to be willing to live on it. What do you want me to do? demanded Jock. I'm not out of high school yet. Other fellows whose fathers aren't earning as much. Fathers, interrupted Emma McChesney. There you are, Jock. I don't have to make the distinction for you. You're sufficiently my son to know it in your heart. I had planned to give you a college education if you showed yourself deserving. I don't believe in sending a boy in your position to college unless he shows some special leaning toward a profession. Mother, you know how wild I am about machines and motors and engineering and all that goes with it. Why, I'd work. You'll have to, Jock. That's the only thing that will make a man of you. I've started you wrong, but it isn't too late yet. It's all very well for boys with rich fathers to run to clothes and city jaunts and chickens and cabs and flowers. Your mother is working tooth and nail to earn her six thousand, and when you realize just what it means for a woman to battle against men in a man's game, you'll stop being a spender and become an earner because you'll want to. I'll tell you what I'm going to do, kid. I'm going to take you on the road with me for two weeks. You'll learn so many things that at the end of that time the sides of your head will be bulging. I'd like it, exclaimed the boy sitting up. It will be regular fun. No, it won't, said Emma McChesney. Not after the first three or four days, but it will be worth more to you than a foreign tour and a private tutor. She came over to him and put her hand on his shoulder. Your room's just next to mine, she said. You and I are going to sleep on this. Tomorrow we'll have a real day of it, as I promised. If you want to spend it with the fellows, say so. I'm not going to spoil this little lark that I promised you. I think, said the boy, looking up into his mother's face, I think that I'll spend it with you. The door slammed after him. Emma McChesney remained standing there in the center of the room. She raised her arms and passed a hand over her forehead, 
and across her hair until it rested on the glossy knot at the back of her head. It was the weary little gesture of a weary, heart-sick woman. There came a ring at the phone. Emma McChesney crossed the room and picked up the receiver. "'Hello, Mary Cutting,' she said without waiting for the voice on the other end. "'What? Oh, I just knew. No, it's all right. I've had some high-class little theatricals of my own right here, with me in the roles of leading lady, ingenue, villainous, star, and heavy mother. I've got Mrs. Frisk looking like a first-reader-room kid that's forgotten her Friday piece. Uh, what's that?' There was no sound in the room but the hollow crackle of the voice at the other end of the wire many miles away. Then, oh, that's all right, Mary Cutting. I owe you a great big debt of gratitude. Bless your pink cheeks and white hair. And Mary, she lowered her voice and glanced in the direction of the room next door. I don't know how a hard, dry sob would go through the phone, so I won't try to get it over. But, Mary, it's been sugar, butter, and molasses for me for the last ten minutes. And I'm dead scared to stop for fear I'll forget it. I guess it's sugar, butter, and molasses for me for the rest of the night, Mary Cutting. Just as hard and fast as I can say it. Sugar, butter, molasses. End of chapter 3